Welcome to Lift Your Legacy. My name is Jacob Rupp, father, husband, and rabbi. And each week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you unlock your inner potential and create change that will impact the future. Thank you for listening, and let's get to it. With great power comes great responsibility. We are well aware of that. Uh, I think it's from Spider-Man. Actually, it's really not that profound. But this this idea that the companies that are so prolific these days, the Facebooks, the Instagram, social media, um, have have such power in our lives and was really built out of a profound ability to understand the user. And uh, w- being able to control people to such an extent and, and to have so much like um, overall vision of what people are seeing and how and why and dictating behavior, all of that crazy AI stuff, which is only to get more and more relevant, are there any kind of moral questions here? Like, could you use this for good? Is it only going to be how to make more money? Um, and I have a an early founder and adapter, someone that's been in the industry for many, many, many years um, as a leader. His name is Sean Higby. And now his primary focus is working with tech executives, trying to figure out how can we utilize the technology now for its best use to help people not only want the newest widget or the newest thing on Amazon, that's me, right? Uh, but but also how to live more positive and productive lives. So this is a very in-depth conversation with a very forward-thinking and, and deeply reflective individual, uh, and I, I hope you appreciate our conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, Lift Your Legacy is committed to helping you live a more authentic and meaningful life. That being said, if I could ask you to share this podcast with someone that you think would get value from the message, that would be fantastic. In addition, I wanted to make you aware that along with the podcast, I do offer executive coaching. I help people who are successful and highly motivated, who want to see extreme, or not even so extreme, maybe just a small change that in their life. I want to help them get to the next level. What does that mean specifically? Creating more peace in your relationships with yourself, growing your business, clarifying your career. And even if you need a little bit of help losing some weight or getting more healthy, I do that also. I'm not for everyone, but for those people that are invested in making their life better and taking the next step, I highly recommend you consider me as a coach for you. Now, how do you get in touch? Well, you found the podcast. I wanted to tell you also my email, Jacob, my first name, Jacob at liftyourlegacy.live. Feel free, please, to reach out there or on any or all of my social media channels. I'd be thrilled to give you a complimentary half an hour conversation to see if we might be a good fit to work together. And now, with no further ado, I ask you to please sit back and enjoy the show. I am thrilled to be very much out of my element because we have this amazing podcast studio that uh, we've been... uh, Sean has been so kind to let us use. Uh, apparently, Tony Robbins and Deepak Chopra and all kinds of other great people have been recording in here. So uh, we are in the uh, shoes of, of, of greatness. Um, Sean, thank you so much for doing this. Please tell tell me a little bit about how you got started in the world of technology. What brought you to 
the the goals and the platforms and the desires you have to really make a global impact in the world using technology as the means. Wow, thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me here. This is awesome. I'm absolutely honored um, to be in your presence and talk about this kind of stuff, first of all. Um, Technology has always been really interesting to me. It's really just a tool set to uh, communicate and engage. And so from a very early age, it was very interesting to me, the idea of um, connecting people and uh, using it as a delivery platform for, for media. Um, I was always interested in film. And so now that we've got this opportunity to be like interactive films, it's just, it's a magical um, tool set to work with. And now with the social media and just the, the levels of social connection that we can do with this technology is just really exciting. So um, I started uh, when I was really young. I was making like websites for neighbors and things like that. And then um, did a, created a startup when I was like 19 um, and then went to work for Disney for five years. I was technology lead over there. Um, um, seeing to make sure we we're making games and websites and other interactive um, uh, experiences the right way. And so um, then, yeah, left that and to create an agency, uh, another startup, an agency. So I'm just always really interested in using technology as a tool set to make really interesting things. But this is the absolute best time to be playing with all this stuff. So, Who are some of your early influences? Oh, my gosh. Um, I, you know what? A lot of my influences really came from film. And, and media um, outside of interactive, frankly, to me, the storytelling experiences in those media was much more interesting than anything that I could make my Nintendo do. Um, I was very interested in what technology was doing, but I always knew that if you really wanted to pull someone in, at least for me, uh, you know, the Spielbergs, my nickname growing up was Spielboy. <laughs> so I was, I was very interested in... Uh, storytelling and creating in, engaging interactive um, experiences from there. Only later did we really get to the point where people like a Hans Zimmer or someone like that is able to um, take these same cinema tools and create interactive experiences from them. But I'd say early on, really um, cinema-inspired um, people. Like who? Yeah, I, I'd say, yeah, Spielberg. Um, because, because of his way to connect with the audience, the way his, he told his story, the way that you felt watching his films, or what was it? Exactly. I mean, he, he makes you feel, he makes you cry. You know, this alien can make you cry. Um, but what's interesting about Spielberg is when he talks about creating experiences, he said if he wasn't in film, he would be an architect. Because... It is a medium where you can take people and make them feel things by looking around and hearing things. And so I think there are so many parallels to different um, interactive experiences and different ways to make people feel things that um, it's always fun to sort of look outside your own medium. But no, he's, a, he's an amazing storyteller. And I think that we could all learn a lot just by storytelling in our lives, whether that's, you know, um, being the hero of our own story or, you know, guiding people through an experience that they would enjoy. Um, storytelling is an amazing thing. So I've always been really attracted to that. What's fascinating in that regard is that so much of what we think is just tons of information and that there's an endless amount of information, what is interesting that you sort of pointed out from a very young age is it's not necessarily about what you know, mm -hmm. but it's how you feel. Yes. Because feeling is so much more of a driver of why we do things yes. and why we become who we want to become. It's like, I don't remember what I learned when I was growing up, but I remember those couple of times this feeling happened to me. And as a result, I grew it or was destroyed in, in the process. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. how do you take th that and start to plug that into either your your personal life or 
technology and how it's become so much more advanced nowadays that you can actually utilize interactive media to facilitate this sense of feeling and the sense of growth? I think that at the end of the day, technology is just a delivery tool set. And I, and I think whatever our goal is, and most often our goal in interactive media is to make people feel a certain experience. And so you can, you can tap into those uh, traditional skills of making people feel attracted to this or making people feel a certain emotion. Um, but where it gets even more intense now is being able to predict things and to be able to okay, we know now how to make people feel excited very easily. We know how to get, get people to feel very concerned very easily. And that's been a very traditional way to get people to be emotionally involved with an experience. But now we can, for better or worse, really guide people down a certain path and say, you know what, now we want to make people feel this or want to make people sort of uh, deeply engaged in this interactive experience. And um, we've got a lot of control. So that, so talk a little bit about, because I think that that's a fascinating, uh, that that's a fascinating idea that, that we can control how a person feels because in the, in the fifties and the sixties, seventies, advertisers were effective in terms of selling products. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, they couldn't all, I guess all they could measure was did the user buy or not. Correct. But now we're at a place where we have the technological capacity to say, I want user X to feel Y, and mm -hmm. I can actually take them through five or six steps in order to get them there. Yes. So how did that happen, and what are the risks and the opportunities for that? I think it came from measurement. I think it came from analyzing. I mean, when you look at um, film, we know if you play a C note, people are happy. That's why when you walk around a casino, it's all C, 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 because it's very, that probably was, I probably wasn't saying a C note there. Um, um, but it's all the C notes because that that's a happy note, right? And so that evokes certain emotions. And same thing with, you know, someone like Spielberg. They know what note to play to make you feel a certain way. When E.T. has to go home now, we're going to play this chord because we know it's going to make people feel sad. We're going to show people cry. So we've always been able to con um, control people's emotions and to, for, for storytelling. What's interesting now is we are able to do that on an exponential level and to really get a sense of not only can we play into those traditional techniques for people to feel a certain way, but we're also able to gauge where people are. And I think that's what's really unique right now is a social media network can predict whether you are depressed or happy or excited, and they're going to feed you uh, content and speak to you in a certain way accordingly. And so that is an amazing opportunity to make people's lives. Sorry, it's a little choked up there. <laughs> it's an amazing opportunity to make people's lives more positive. Um, but a lot of times it's used to push a product or to um, get people to stay in an app for a lot longer. I think in the very beginning it was an experiment when we would measure, say, you know, we were able to get people to stay in an app for a minute longer or 10 minutes longer. This is amazing. But then we realized we're really good at doing this, maybe a little too good at making sure that we had an experience that people wanted to spend their entire day in. And so now I think there's a responsibility on our end now that we are able, able to measure the success of our ability to get people to do certain things. Let's take a really close look at what we're asking them to do and why and who's going to benefit if we are controlling these people's experiences because we want to make sure 
that we are being responsible with this power that we have now. So talk to me a little bit about there was a study that you had mentioned in another time that we had talked that the younger the demographic gets, the more concern there is for how social media is going to impact their Yes. their lives. And you mentioned someone that you know that that was very close to you. I don't know if you want to share mm-hmm. who that, that has so much anxiety just about how how are people on Instagram perceiving this person. Yeah. So, so talk to me a little bit about that element and how, I guess you could say, younger humanity is waking up to this kind of fact. I think, I think the younger folks are understanding the level. I think they're understanding themselves on a really deep level, which is amazing. I think they're really able to determine um, the different components at play here. And the the study I was mentioning to you was the younger you get, when if you ask people um, how concerned they are about social media's impact on their life, um, they're more and more concerned about that the younger that they get. And they're concerned, concerned about their own addictions towards social media and things like that. And so um, as people get older, they're a little less concerned. Um, but the youth, we're at a point right now where the youth are realizing, you know what, this has a control over me. And I'm not sure if I like that. And at the same time, you've got you know youth suicide uh, rates are at an all-time high. And so I think it's a responsibility on our end to make sure that we are, again, taking this power that we have to make sure that we're not making people feel inadequate. The person I was mentioning 20 years younger than me is, you know, going through a rough time, um, you know, just in life in general, um, you know, as a teenager, but then also expressing that not only am I trying to do all these things with school, with my family, but also I have to keep up my social media pre- uh, presence. Like, who was thinking about self-branding on that level as a teenager while just trying to be a teenager? So I think it's really important for us to um, not only as parents or as um, technologists to take a look at the power that we have, um, but just sort of as a society to take a look and say, you know what, we are now in a level uh, of of expertise with this tool set where we can really guide things and where are we guiding it and for whom. What's interesting is this concept of self-knowledge versus guidance. How do you see, when you said that the youth are very self-aware, to what do we attribute that to or what are your thoughts about to what we attribute that to and what do we do as a result? Which means like if, if people are self-aware does that mean that I have an obligation to treat them differently? Should I try to change their mind? Should I try to just support? I mean, you know, one of the interesting things that you were saying is if I can lock a person in an app for a long time, do I just want to maintain if they're in a in a depressed state or if they're in a happy state, do I want to sell them products, so to speak, that will, you know, it's like, do, do we give, you know, antidepressant ads for people that are, yeah. you know, clicking on all this dark stuff? And do I, you know, like, am I doing like amusement parks for people that are in a happy, like, yeah. to what extent do we, are we responsible to change it? And to what extent? respect do you think that technologists are responsible to sort of just play to the audience they have? Wow, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I would say, I think one of the reasons that the youth are so aware, they're so aware of what's happening around them is because they themselves play a part in that. Um, Someone once told me that um, the youth now are experts in Photoshop because they all have to Photoshop their own pictures before they push it live. And so the fact that 
they're using media techniques to control their own audience, right. um, you know, quotations, um, audience um, of their classmates and things like that to become a personal brand. I think when they see those own tech, those same techniques used on them, they they recognize it. And so I think that's one of the reasons why they're so educated um, on these things. Um, as technologists, I think that, look, they're, without naming names, there are social media networks that they know after A-B testing you for a while, if a tragedy breaks out, are they going to show you happy kitten photos to make you feel distracted? Or are they going to show you more pictures of the disaster to get you really riled up? They know which one you're going to go into. They know that some people... They just take that rage and they want to channel it into the comment section. And they know other people where if you take that rage, it's overwhelming and they're going to go somewhere else to look at cute kittens. Whichever one you are, they know and they will put you down that path. Now, we need to decide what is the end game here? Because in technology and interactive experiences, it's all about how many seconds, how many minutes, how many hours per day can we keep people in that experience? That's a huge measurement of success. That's where the advertising revenue comes from, which is what's paying for all of this. So I think that it's really important for us to decide, yes, this person, if they're filled with rage, is going to spend more time in our interactive experience. But do we just want to be a rage catalyst? Or maybe we can sort of get them down a path of let's channel that into something positive. And so I'm working with um, uh, with um, Jeanette Schneider, who you know, brilliant, on this app that is taking people's sort of mental state. And we are saying, you know what? You're probably filled with some, um, maybe you're excited about work. Maybe you're not having a great day because we see, um, you know, these behaviors might not be super positive. So we're going to guide you towards some things that could improve what you're dealing with right now. And so I think there's a huge opportunity for us to take the same data that would channel people's interests in escapism or rage and instead sort of point that inward and say, you know what, let's channel this and really focus on what is this making us feel? How could we take this and make a positive out of this? And just really being mindful about the emotions that we're getting out of the situation to sort of better ourselves. There's an opportunity there. It's really exciting. Not to sound uh, cynical towards the uh, the excitement, but if avenue if advertising revenue is paying for all of this, yeah, and we know in the world of any kind of sales or or marketing that. Once you can get a person to feel a certain way, mm -hmm. they become far. You know, if you don't have a person emotionally bought in, mm -hmm. the, the the buying experience, I'm assuming, drops significantly, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um, that's why advertising is what it is. Is that you know you're you're playing to a certain type, and you want to get them emotionally invested in buying the product. If the app or the the movement is to bring a person, and this is something else that hopefully we'll get into, mm -hmm. uh, the concept of mindfulness, this idea of coming back to center, of yes. acknowledging, oh, I, the world isn't terrible, I just feel a little bit off today, yes. and if I could bring myself back to center, then I'm not going to be so anxious, frustrated, freaked out, upset about yes. the world. Is Are we going to run into a brick wall and eventually the advertiser going to say, you're not helping us make any money? That's an interesting question. I think that... I think that any advertiser would like to be associated with your happiness. 
right? So whether that's buy the world a Coke, right? It's it's instead of uh, there was a that ad campaign. It's just sort of like we're the happy brand. When you think about us, we're going to make you happy. And it's not happy because we put a slot machine in your pocket. You're happy because you're more you, that you are more centered. You are the best version of yourself when you're associated with what we're trying to do. And so I think that advertisers at the end of the day just want you to buy their product. Right. Um, interactive experiences at the end of the day just want you to spend as much time in that product as possible or in that experience as possible. So what if we were able to put destinations in your pocket that made you the best version of yourself? I don't think any therapist is going to be upset that um, you're spending time with them to better themselves. I think if you are providing a portal to self-help and people are spending as much time as possible on themselves, if I spend three hours a day in Reddit scrolling through hilarious memes, what if I was to spend two and a half hours on myself with the same dopamine levels of excitement because I had bettered myself with that time, with that investment? I think there's a huge opportunity. And for pe for brands to associate themselves with, your, uh, with that level of dopamine that came from it, instead of the um, traditional mechanics of making people anxious and wanting to you know, pull that virtual slot machine one more time, what if it was you just came out of this sort of uh, this moment of self-realization that has the same levels of dopamine and, gosh, I want to do that again? I think there's a huge opportunity there. And what brand wouldn't want to be associated with those feelings? So, something else that, that, that comes to mind is, is there's now so much in the way, I guess, really starting in the there's, – there's an amazing book, which I, I highly recommend called – I think it's called Salt, Sugar, Fat or Fat, Sugar, Salt. Oh. Basically about how the, the big food industries – figured out how to you know, create these foods that are so massively addictive. Yeah. And as we moved towards needing more and more food that was processed, so so many billions of dollars were made and ultimately made people sick. And now yeah. you see a, a, a flip back to a Whole Foods type model or all of these kind of like granola brands, which now mm -hmm. the big companies are are investing in and buying up. Mm -hmm. I mean, Amazon buying Whole Foods is a perfect example of that, where there is big money made in making people happy and healthy. And it's just that shift that has to happen when the consumer essentially become, becomes aware enough to say that this is what I want. And then the brands will have to figure out, the smart brands will have to figure out how do I uh, accommodate a healthier, a happier, a more adjusted consumer. 100%. I mean, what, if you see someone walking down the street with a McDonald's bag, walking past someone with a Whole Foods bag, you're going to think of those people on a very different level. And they might, the Whole Foods person might be eating horribly. That bag might be full of tons of processed horrible food. But we are going to – these lifestyle um, uh, choices that we make, what's wrong with having a, a brand that is focused on um, – being the best version of yourself. And I think a Whole Foods is an opportunity or is a great thing to reference to sort of, it's cool to say I'm going to Whole Foods right now. It mm -hmm. sounds a whole lot better than I'm going um, to eat off a value menu mm -hmm. or something like that. Just, it says something about you. And, you know, everyone's in yoga pants. Right. Uh, you know, <laughs> there, no, and, it's, so. and it's interesting because as, as someone that just recently, I, I, I shopped at Lululemon recently, yeah. and, and it's so funny because you see the tremendous premium markup that those kinds of products do. Yeah. But... I think one of the benefits of 
this is very much like a Western privilege, uh, uh, you know, the, the fact that we have so much disp uh, disposable income now and are able to afford that, people are happy to not only to, to buy the product, but also to make the statement that, you know, I represent, I'm happy representing what this brand represents. Yes. So it's like with your app, other, I'm just, I'm just thinking like other companies who want to be associated. It's like if a brand is is featured in Whole Foods, it says something about, oh, we're a we're a healthy brand or we are mm -hmm. globally conscious. And so it's like there are a lot of opportunities tacking into a a, a, a philosophic approach to how to do business. One hundred percent. Fascinating. And, yeah, and, and I think that um, not everyone's proud. Look, for lunch today, I had Carl's Jr. Mm. Right. How was and, it? It was delicious. Good. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for all the wrong reasons. Uh, but um, I'm not as proud of that as I would be if I had a really good salad or something like that. And I think a lot of people are really interested in um, portraying something. You know, like their experiences at Whole Foods, but they might not be proud to share how much time they spent on various social media networks in the day. It's sort of this, like, uh, this, this, they don't look at that four hours of their day with pride. But just like you're, you know, going to yoga or to eat really healthy, what if you were spending a big chunk of your day on something that you're super proud of? And I think that there's an opportunity there um, for sort of self-branding, right? Or for, for brands to be associated with something really positive about that. Tell me a little bit about your process towards mindfulness and how someone in the science and you know very uh, applied world of of um, you know, just just living in a world where it's like at the end of the day like I have to figure out an algorithm to make this work you right. know and then you go into this this world of mindfulness which is in a lot of ways at least in theory completely different what was that like for you what was the experience right so I think. Um... As with a lot of people, when I first heard about meditation or mindfulness, like, this is BS. Right. Like, okay, so I'm going to line up my crystals when I do this? Like, what is this? And so um, I was completely uninterested. I was hearing more and more about it in the context of science. And um, UCLA did some amazing studies um, where they were putting people in a functional MRI, which is sort of um, a typical MRI is just sort of a flash, a snapshot of what's going on in a situation where the functional MRI is like a, a video. And so you can see like, okay, if someone is thinking about um, a loved one, it lights up this part of the brain or something like that. And so they were doing functional MRI studies where they were seeing people meditate and they were seeing areas of the brain light up and um, that were really positive. And it's like, oh, okay, once I hear a few studies like that, I think I probably needed to hear that a few times before I broke down and Googled, okay, what is this whole mindfulness thing? What is meditation? So there was a, right down the street um, in downtown LA, uh, there was a, a guided meditation at the public library um, that they were having at lunchtime. Um, and so I said, you know, what, I'll drop in, I'll, I'll give it a shot. What's the worst that could happen? So we do the whole thing, close my eyes, and just really just sort of um, um, go through that first experience. And it was not to be you know too dramatic. It was life changing. The the feelings that I felt there, this this whole practice of being present and really being focused on um, nothing or being focused on this moment and the power that, that comes with that. I was sold immediately. And so I started to really look more and more into it. And it's very scientific. And by scientific, I just mean measurable. 
um, that it has very positive effects. And so, um, as you say, I, I, re I think about myself as just sort of this meat computer. And so to be able to measure um, the effects on this meat computer after you go through this, um, this sort of mental reboot is really fascinating and I don't talk about it a lot um, but I think that the the impacts that it's had on my life the ability to be present in the moment and the ability to even if you just talk about from a productivity standpoint one of the things that they may or may not tell you early on is you can get really good at laser focusing on things you're just less distracted because you've been working this muscle of just staying focused on one thing for an extended period of time that's the ultimate goal of meditation really so i've enjoyed that immensely and seen huge benefits in my life and you know i'm i'm, I'm not you know um, it hasn't sent me on uh, you know this guru journey or anything like that it's just being able to really dial in my mindset at a given moment quicker has been amazing. It's it's changed me in a lot of ways. That's something that's so so helpful because, and especially we we are we are approximately the same age, I believe. But mm. especially for our, our our younger or the younger the younger people out there, there is such a we're so driven to distraction. And I'm I'm no I'm 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 the worst of the of the cases. Tell me, is is that what the companies want as someone that sat in the boardrooms that knows that world intimately is the goal to really keep you not in your life as long as possible. Is that what people want to do? It's those minutes. It's those minutes that you spend in the app. So if we make an interactive experience, we want to be able to say this, this game that we made, the average session time is eight minutes a day. And that's great for a little mini game that we create to promote, um, you know, some movie coming out or something like that. If we've created a social media network that people are spending a predictable number of minutes every day, that's fantastic. That's that's great. Um, there are really good, caring, lovely people in those boardrooms. These are not evil people. These are people just saying, let's create an experience that people enjoy. So it comes from a very positive place. At least every meeting that I've been in, no one was trying to um, be evil. But at a certain point, we got so good at what we do that I think, again, it, we have this responsibility to take this power that we have and direct it. So I was uh, I was tutoring a uh, kid um, who was having trouble reading, and he um, has, um, you know, some ADD issues and just wasn't able to learn how to read very well. He's very behind. And so, um, I was with a larger group of people. We were all mentoring these children and, um, he was very into a game that came out of the department that I work in. And he, um, he was always talking about it. And he said to me one day, he's like, oh, I play it. As soon as I get home from school, I play it. And then I play it after the sun goes down until the sun goes up. Whoa, as a first grader, kindergartner, no, 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 no. And so I think it's at a certain point when you hear that what you've done is that It's so addictive. It's, it's, it's time to reflect and say, you know what, we had this goal of making something that was really engaging, right. mission accomplished. Now where is it our responsibility to to um, where do we tone that down? And I think there are great opportunities right now. Um, Instagram, if you scroll past a certain point, which many people might not even see, it says you're all caught up. 
everything that's happened this week, you've seen it. You're good. And so there's an opportunity there. There are also opportunities with, um, you know, on the Apple phones, there's the screen time. You can look right now and see how much time you've spent reading the news or on a social network. There are opportunities where there are measurements to keep yourself, to, to keep yourself accountable. And I think those are steps in a really good direction there. So help me, help me articulate how do we go the next step, which means, you know, it's interesting because when we were initially researching like atomic technology, everyone said that this is the, this is the next big thing. Yeah. And then history lined it up in such a way that we had to mechanize it and weaponize it quickly. And then yeah. everyone was shocked by how how horrific it is. And, you know, God willing, you know, that 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 we're not going to arrive at a at a you know, civilization clashing like that where we're going to have to mechanize and weaponize this kind of technology because, yeah, it's it's like terrifying, you know, yeah. what, what, what can be accomplished. So because we have that that breadth of, of space where we can create something that's unbelievably, you know, just like literally the world changes, how then, who then, what then do we do? What are these opportunities? How does a person listening say, either I can plug into a, a thought leader that is going to build my life? Or how can I work on myself to become said thought leader for other people? Wow. Wow. That's that's great. Um, the the nuclear um, correlation, I, 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 I've used that. And it's it's we have that power now. This is a nuclear level and we you can create, you know, great power sources. Or you can, you know, the Manhattan Project where there are a handful of people that can do untold levels of destruction. And I think that um, it is no exaggeration to say we're dealing with something on that level. The level of impact you can have on people's lives is immeasurable. And, and it's, it's really sort of terrifying the, the negative ways this could go. Um, I think what's happening right now is people are being more aware and gaining back a little bit of that control. And I think that's happening in a few ways. The first step is to measure just where are you on the spectrum of immersion in technology. Again, if you have an Apple device, enable screen time, look at where you're spending your time on your phone. I think you're spending a lot more time where you don't want to be spending. It's like getting on the scale, like people that don't want to get on the scale because they, they don't, emotionally it's difficult to get on there and see, yes. oh no, you know, like it registered what I did. Exactly. Right. I, I know people that have said, you know what, I'm committing to dialing back I'm not I'm not going to spend, you know, almost any time on my favorite social network this week. And then they look at what, quote unquote, no time on that social network was this week. And that was 20 hours. Right. Right. It's like I didn't realize that that's what being dialed down was. And so first step is to measure it. And then the second step, I think, is really to educate ourselves. And I think going back to the youth, I think that's where they are. They're taking coding classes and they're realizing like, oh, the if, then, this. And I think that they're really learning a lot of if I do this, there are consequences when they're learning to code or when they're learning to, you know, how interactions are happening with their friends online, the effects of bullying and things like that. I think that they're seeing the effects of that and they are able to determine, you know what, I am going to take control in these certain ways to make sure that at least for myself, the effects of this are affecting me a little bit less. And again, I think if we measure that to start with, it's very humbling. And then from there, just opening up the, the dialogue about what is possible when we use these technologies. I mean, 
very global big things have happened because the wrong people had access to these technologies. Being aware of how you're feeling and where when you are reading a certain news story, where are those feelings coming from? And are you feeling those feelings a lot when you're going from this source of news and things like that? I think it's a huge opportunity. There are even people you know, like Elon Musk who are saying, this is an absolutely terrifying technology, AI, is so terrifying beyond anything that you guys can understand. So he opens it up. Open AI is let's give everyone this tool so that there aren't 15 people in a room. The world. Yeah, there aren't 15 people doing the Manhattan Project. We all have access to this. So let's talk about it so we can recognize and create a dialogue about what we do next. Because I think the um, it's already been un it's been unleashed. And right. so we need to be aware of what has been unleashed around us to understand how we can affect, um, how we change our own lives to adapt around that, what to be aware of when it is sort of um, coming into our own lives, and maybe what we can do to control it. But it needs to, it requires a dialogue. And and also, I think what what would be interesting, and it's probably something that you're working on with Jeanette for the for the the app, is this this sense that almost we we think that we are measuring. I guess you can say we we feel like we're normal and the world is affecting us. But the reality, as you're saying, and I think that this, fascinatingly enough, with the, with the coding example, is we're realizing that the world is directly pushing us yes. into the ways that we see things. And so it's almost like I'm thinking like a Rotten Tomatoes score of different news sources to see, mm. you know, this percentage of the news stuff is negative. If you could just see, and, and again, it's like, you know, the, the fact, and, and that's also one of the crazy problems with technology is that, you know, even go back 100, 200 years, most people were primarily only interacting with such a small circle that you didn't know that 500 miles away, the person with perfect abs did exist, actually, because everyone in your small town didn't have perfect right. abs, and your abs right. were, yeah, they were good. But now that we have this, this truly infinite ability to see everybody, it, it becomes um, increasingly difficult for us to realize that bad stuff and good stuff is going to be out there. Largely, it's out of our control. And really, the only thing we can control is, again, like I remember the first time, I, I, this is revealing my age, but the first time I was, I think it was Apple or something, or no, it was, it was I got a Surface before, whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, Microsoft was asking me, how do I rank myself on the political news spectrum? Wow. And I was like, that's crazy. That's literally going to be, you know, depending on what I click, I'm only going to see this side and it's only going to make me more extreme in whatever viewpoints I've already determined. Wow. When in reality, it's crazy because think about it. It's like, you know, when does a person start to objectively turn around and look at their life and be like, this story I've been telling myself is not necessarily accurate and hasn't necessarily been bringing me the joy that I'm looking for in my life. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? No, 100%. And I think that um, the fact, first of all, the fact that Microsoft had to ask you Lazy. It just and, it showed. It showed. Well, it was. It was probably 10, 15 right, years ago, right. right? But you're right. That's, that's now they don't need that, right? And that's even th that exactly that speed bump that I would have had in my mind mm -hmm. at that point, being like, "Well, I'm about to get mind controlled here," yeah. right? No one even has that barrier to entry anymore. It's they, awesome. They, yeah, yeah, they, um, yeah. That that must have been some older tech for them to ask because now. Within five minutes of using uh, a news source, they know exactly where your political uh, alignments are. Um, and I think with that, people are being put into this echo chamber. Um, yes, if you're from a small town, you've got your five friends and you're hearing all the same five stories. Um, but you've, you've 
decided to hang out with those people. I think what people aren't realizing is that with these social networks, the network is choosing which people's stuff you're going to see on a regular basis. And we're going to choose that because you are going to spend more time in our experience if we put you around those people. If we put you in an echo chamber where everyone thinks like you, every once in a while we're going to put the, the guy that you all are going to hate right in the middle of it so you can all gang up on him and be angry at him. Um, that was all planned. That was planned so that you will even feel this stronger tribal association with those five people that you're always seeing online and every once in a while drop in a villain. It's a game. It's cra- it's so crazy to, to, to say that explicitly because you see, you know, again, like, every negative or, I guess, positive also, but we, we hear about the negative. It's like, you know, in terms of racist groups or or groups that, that you know like uh, promote violence it's like these are people that don't have this outlet it's not seen as a normal outlet in their small group of friends but then they can jump online and they can find an infinite number of people that support them yeah. and then what they're not realizing is someone else i.e. the platform is benefiting by engaging them and spending that they say well it's yeah. a win it's meaning the la- you know not to get into prison reform but prison reform is a big problem because a lot of people go into jail and come out much more societally unproductive because they've just spent their last x number of years dealing with people that are that are not able to properly you know find their way in the world so to speak mm-hmm. so it's not it's not like it's rehabilitating at all it's actually the opposite right so the fascinating thing is it's like and I know this is turning it from a negative perspective. It's like the prison system makes money by having people that need to be in prison, so to speak. Wow. Right? I, there, there is too strong of a correlation. There. It's a crazy yeah. thing, though. It's like, yeah. it, 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 so therefore, it's going to create a system where more and more people are going to have to go to prison, and no one really cares that your life is messed up because now the five people that you surround yourself with are convicts that have unfortunately. It's, it's like, and again, it's, it's like these are all concepts that are so fundamental. It's like. In the in the in the war on drugs, it's like if you if you make drug addicts bad, so then the feelings of why they started using drugs in the first place was they felt socially isolated and and and, and unhappy. It's only going to go up, which then increases how much drugs they need, how much yeah. drugs are going to cost, how much money can be spent on prosecuting the drugs and rewarding the people that prosecute it. So it's like it's a crazy thing that no one at the at the ground level, or at least potentially no one at the ground level, the user themselves can say. Well, maybe if I didn't hang out with negative people all the time, I wouldn't feel so negative. Mm-hmm. So now how do I change my algorithm mm-hmm. to be like, no, just put me with people that are happy? Oh, this is so perfect. And I, I've never I've never thought it I thought about those as a correlation, but it's so similar. Because a drug addict, yeah, the more that you are rejected by society, you're gonna need to do some serious self-soothing because you're a reject now. What's the best way to do that? Get more, some smack. More, more drugs. Right? right. And then you do things that make you feel, you know, like no one looks back at themselves at their lowest point and and, and is proud of where they are. Mm-hmm. They, they feel even worse. It's like, well, I guess I did have this capacity within me to sell my body or rob or steal or kill for yes. trying to feel good about myself. So I must be even more trashy. It's such a horrible cycle. Yeah. And, and, and I think what's the most terrifying thing is um, people that are deep into drugs or have been in prison repeatedly, they know that they are in that situation. So many people that are in that same cycle just, I'm just checking up on my friends. Right. Right. So that's when they're on social media or any other sort of um, very immersive um, interactive experiences. I'm just checking up on my friends. I'm just having a conversation. So they don't realize um, that 
they are being manipulated all as their well. negativity is or positivity is being cur curated yes. to create this user experience so that's why you're saying you need some kind of a body because it's not it's not a bad thing it, the, the, the the technology platforms are not by definition, they're a business. So mm -hmm. a business's job is to create revenue, to create opportunity. It's like, yeah. you know, you have thousands of people that work for you. Well, you're you gotta pay for them somehow to keep mm -hmm. them to keep that that system going. Yes. So they're focused not in a bad way at all to providing the maximum value for the investors and for the company and for whatever it might be. And no one's really asking this user, this guy on the ground, how do we save that person? How do we put that person in an environment? You know, it's like if you would just take a drug addict, and it's like it's crazy. It's like in 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 Jewish law, we, there's not actually prisons if a person steals because they can't afford it. You put them, you make them be a part of a family that will rehabilitate them. Wow. So they're around people that aren't stealing, and and the people that are rehabilitating have to treat them better than themselves. Wow. So it says, you know, again, it, the, the word master and slave is, is completely not the right word to use, especially the modern nomenclature, but it says if a person would bring in this person to whom it has to be re rehabilitated, they're accepting a master upon themselves because if there's one bed, then the, then the, it's like the, the, the person that needs the help is going to get the bed. So they feel loved, they feel appreciated, and then they can walk out and they say, I can do, I can do this. Because that, at the end of the day, that's all it is. It's like, uh, there was an amazing, I'm, I'm, riff, I'm riffing and I apologize. Like, oh. like if you look at, at, at um, in 2008, Mike Tyson put out a, uh, it was like a biographical thing on Netflix, which is amazing. And he, he had someone that believed in him. And it so changed his life. Mm. And everyone that I think in most cases have amounted to, to anything positive can look back to those people in their life that said, I was going in this path. Someone stepped in and said, come, come with me and gave me the confidence to become what I wanted to become. So who's doing that for the billions of people that are using social media nowadays? I, nobody. You are. <laughs> you, 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 and, you and Jeanette are. But the, but the point, but the, I think that that's, that's the most important thing that as a person develops more and more self-awareness, they have to appreciate just how important their surroundings are and how do they change that algorithm to promote more stuff. 100%. This is so profound. Everything that you're saying here, I think this is probably why you have people chasing after masterminds and it's like i need to be surrounded by people that are heading in the right direction because i've realized that left to my own devices that i'm just not heading in the right direction i think a lot of people are voicing that i've heard so many people say i want someone to be accountable toward um, I want to be heading in the right direction. So I think that's why business coaches and personal coaches are just so important now to find someone who will keep you accountable, have you pointed in the right direction, um, because there are so many other forces at play here that are pulling you away from where you where your ideal version of yourself is. Right. And it's so hard to fight against all that on your own. So to have someone who's holding you accountable, I think it's huge. And to have um, a great structure around you, whether it's the right friends or a mastermind or personal coaches to guide you in that, I think it's now is more important than ever to do that. And even people that don't have those things in their lives, you hear the conversations about them wanting something like that. So I think that's probably where a lot of this stuff is going. And I think there's a huge opportunity for us to take all these technologies that got people to feel one way 
and to point in the other direction and say, let's make a better version of yourself. Right. And I think there's a huge opportunity there. And I, there are some people that are doing that. And I think there's a certain level of fatigue that's going to come from being pulled and pulled and pulled towards things, towards a version of ourselves that people are not enjoying. And so, like, I went to um, uh, Japan a few years ago, and I was so excited to see all the latest technology and, you know, working with apps. I was like, oh, I can't wait to see what phone they're using. It's probably, like, virtual reality holograms. Like, I can't wait to see what people are doing. Everyone's on a flip phone. Really? Because they're over it. Like you know what I I'm, I've been receiving so many alerts and notifications and all this stuff like I I just can't anymore. The trendy thing was to have a flip phone because I just need to disconnect. This is too much. They put a mask on, you know. It's supposedly you know for for to pr- prevent um, you know spreading sickness or getting sick. But a lot of my friends pulled me aside and said, you know what, it's really because we're just tired of just being on all the time and being um, so connected to all these um, tech- technological pulls and things like that. And so I think we're getting in that direction here also where it's like, this is exhausting. So what can we do to be pointing ourselves in the right direction to be looking inside a little bit more? And I think there's a huge opportunity. I think we're, we're hitting that fatigue point here as well. Which is, which is I guess, t- th- there's, there's two posit- very positive components here, which is, first of all, as, as I'm hearing you say, that we are developing you and the people that you are involved with and the people that are at all the upper echelons of these techno- technology companies are starting to appreciate that we do have to use our tremendous resources and begin to build a tide going the other direction, mm-hmm. which is it's not just about time in engagement, but now that we can keep them engaged, now let's push them towards a good thing. Yeah. And the second point, which I think is unbelievably important for just in terms of perspective, is that there is always a return back to center. And just because we are, whatever, like everyone says, it's like, oh my gosh, the kids, the, 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 the kindergartner that's playing games all night long, you could very easily take that from a, in a very negative way and say, wow, the youth are screwed, no one's going to sleep anymore, we're just going to be zombies all the time. Or what you can do is to say that we are now at an extreme and we will slowly move back towards a center and the center will be a more intelligent center. It's not like, again, it's, we're not at, we're not going to go back to the dark ages. Cause like you said, there's no, you can't, you right. can't put the genie back in the bottle. Right. But once you realize that you, you just look at your life and you're like, I don't know if I want all this stuff, you right. know, and I can have it. And oftentimes when you walk away that it's, it's a beautiful idea not to go back to the dieting example, but it's the same thing. It's like once you, if a person cannot be in the same room as cake, that's one level. And right. so the smart person is not going to be in the room with cake. Just get the cake out. But right. ultimately what we're looking for is a person is so into health and, and fitness that they can be around cake all the time. And it just, no, thank you. Or if I have it, I'll get the immediate sugar rush, the shortness. And I won't be, I won't, I could, I used to be able to eat like five bagels in a row. And mm. it was like amazing. Right. Mm-hmm. But like now, like one bag, I, I can't even eat one bagel. I don't, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's a crazy thing. So it's, it's just that it's that confidence in human nature to be able to find ultimately a golden mean on a mass scale, I guess. I, I love that. Um, I think there, there's an amazing book called The Power of Habit, and it talks about— That's the, not Atomic Habit. That's called The Power of Habit. Yes, 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 right. yes, yes. Okay. Who wrote that one? Oh, on okay, the we'll, spot. We'll look at, I do we'll not look know up, that. We'll look it up. Yeah, oh, we'll put it in the show notes. Yes. Um, amazing book that talks about there are triggers. In order to find your habits— 
you've got to identify the trigger for these habits and then replace it with something else, right? So yeah, love cake. Can't get enough cake. Cool. How about we try to just go on the, in the gym for an hour? I know you don't think you're a gym person. Let's just try it because something that we all discover is that is addictive as well. So if you're going to be addicted to something, why not if you if a hard day at work triggers you to want to do some self-soothing and you want endorphin rush, tell you what, instead of reaching for the cake, just hear me out, go run on the treadmill for a half hour while listening to your favorite podcast, right? Try it and feel what that feels like. So taking that same trigger, replacing it with something else, I think there's a huge opportunity there. And if people are going to be doing this own self-discovery and self, if they're going to be moving themselves away from the experiences you've built, then maybe it's time to build something that's in the more positive direction. So I think there's an opportunity for, you know, uh, capitalistic um, um, technologists to create an opportunity where people are going to go in a direction that makes them feel good on a large scale. Be a gym rather than a bakery. And I think there's an opportunity there. Um, and just really quickly, with that child, um, he was so hooked in that game. And so what I did was, I'm not, I don't know if this was, uh, you know, the perfect solution. He was so into these characters. I said, you know what? That's great. I'm going to get you a stack of books on the characters in that game you love. Because you might be seeing this side of them, but they're going on adventures that you don't even know about. So let's read these books about what that character and this character are doing not in the game. And so he was able to read more in those books because he was so um, invested in those characters that he wanted to be involved in as many ways as possible. So instead of staying up until 6 o'clock in the morning to play as many games as possible with those characters, what if I can read about them? And it got his... Uh, he was able to sit down for longer than he'd ever sat down before. I, I get so excited by that concept because so often with the work that... In the work that I do, and I guess whatever in the world in the world that I'm in in general, there's so much negativity. Like you're saying, like, oh gosh, I wish I w liked going to the gym, or I wish I didn't like all these things. And we spend so much time upset about what we don't like. But the reality is, if you connect it back into what you do like, that has so much more horsepower to drive the right kinds of habits. Yeah, exactly the point. It's like I need to feel good. And so I could therefore smoke a pack of cigarettes or I could uh, uh, listen to an inspirational podcast, right? Mm -hmm. So the way that on a superficial level, a lot of people are like, well, I, I like cigarettes. What am I supposed to do? And that's true, mm -hmm. right? But on the flip side, you could say, I have an addictive personality. Let me just find something I can be addicted to that's going to get me down the road where I want to go. Yep. Boy, I, I don't know what we, I think we, we tied that up nicely. I don't remember exactly how we started, but um, Sean, I'm so excited that there are people like you that are really leading the charge. Trying. And, and try, trying is ultimately all we can do. Um, and, and I want to wish you a tremendous amount of success in the upcoming endeavors. And I very much hope we can continue this conversation because as, as you said, hopefully if we can just be that boat in the in the in the tide or or even the tide or starting to become the tide itself i think there's a tremendous amount of uh we keep using the word opportunity but it's it's a uh, it's very inspiring to be a part of the process and very inspiring for how we view the future thank you so much and thank you for having these conversations that are showing people what a better version of themselves can be and to point people towards like 
what if? What if this version of yourself existed? And so for you to be doing that on a, on a regular basis, to be sharing that is inspiration for the rest of us, you know, in that in the morning to listen to you and thinking about the best version of myself. That is a perfect way to start a day and to have the rest of our day or week pointed in the right direction. So thank you for doing I didn't, that. I didn't pay you for that, <laughs> just to, to put that out there. But I will I will send you I will send you after this. Um, Sean, how do people find you? Oh, gosh. Um yeah, I, I'm not sure. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, okay. Yeah, I'm not really pushing anything. Um, yeah. If someone will hear this and they want to, they want to reach out and just say, "Great job." Why are you on Instagram or or? Oh, Sean at SeanHigby.com would be fine. Great. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. There you have it, folks. Another inspiring episode. If you enjoyed this, I ask you to please share this with your friends and to like us over on Rabbi Rupp through Facebook or on YouTube. And the more that we're able to get these important messages out, the more that we can really make an impact in the world. So I encourage you, please, to stay tuned. Uh, We have a ton of amazing speakers coming up and also to tell your friends about it. Thank you very much.